Aloha, this is Bill Best once again with Off the Record. Bobby D. Best is in the studio. Good morning. Thank you to Maui Toyota. And thank you for joining us once again. We never are quite certain if you're in the house because you're not on camera. But uh, you're kind of like um, uh, a second, as they say in theater, uh, just in case I uh, faint, uh, you know, from exhaustion or something. <laughs> anyway. I'm here Bobby, to wipe your brow. Bobby D. Best, uh, she is uh, my partner for all these many years. We have Lisa Darcy in the studio as well. Uh, Lisa Darcy with ShareYourMana.org. And we welcome you to the studio. Thank you for coming in. You we're are gonna, so welcome, and thank you for having me. We're going to talk about homelessness because it affects so many people. I, I'm not homeless, but I'm affected by the homeless people around me. And um, I read we have more homeless than other states. Is that true? Well, you know, it, it, this is actually an, a topic that I, I wanted, would love to delve more deeply into because... Depending upon where you live, that um, alliance, different states take different data points oh. to determine who's homeless. For example, we don't count people that are in jail or I believe are in prison or anything like that who, when released, will have nowhere to go. Right. So, I mean, but some some counties or some states do count that it's it's very you know it's yeah the numbers i are not very accurate in my opinion they're kind of a they give you they're a little bit of a thermometer to kind of like give you you know is it hot or cold um kind of thing but um i also know that we don't um in my opinion and in my experience the way that we take the data in isn't that accurate in my experience so um yeah, so yeah, th that has been the way it's been reported when it filters out throughout the year, and, and the you know the interagency department on homelessness runs the numbers. Yeah, so but there's a there's a lot of pieces that go into it that have a lot of wiggle room. But yeah, we still have we have enormous compared to people that are housed, uh, numbers of people that are living unsheltered or houseless or homeless. Well, you look like a professional person, um, probably with a job. I mean, if I didn't know you, I wouldn't think of you as uh, a homeless or houseless person. But as a matter of fact, due to the increasing rents here on Maui, you've ended up uh, having to rely on the kindness of strangers. Well, not friends. strangers, but <laughs> friends. And uh, uh, otherwise, uh, you'd be living in a car or something. And it's not because you're incapable in mm -hmm. any way, and you're certainly not strung out as many ho homeless people seem to be strung out from drugs and alcohol and so on. I, I mean, I don't know. So I just, they become a, another um, a part of the citizenship that, you know, I just avoid because you don't know and you don't, it, you know. I, I personally had experiences where um, very erratic people uh, would do very erratic things. And 
uh, in the homeless a area, you know, from homeless people. So uh, I tend to um, shut them out, and which is not a good thing. I mean, I'd love to give give them a twenty bucks or so, but. Well, so we have a lot to talk about yes. today, then, because you are exactly who Share Your Mana is looking to educate and yeah. to get involved. Uh, I, I've heard people say often, you know, as soon as you said homeless, I, you know, I just, I, it's, it stressed me out. And I've really spent a lot of time trying to ask people, why does it stress? Like, what is it? You're not the one that's struggling here. Well, right. So why yeah. are you experiencing that stress? And so when you really dive into that, there, I've, I've heard a couple of themes. And one is people feel powerless. They feel helpless. Like they don't know how to help. Two is if you base your ideas on what the press is writing and what you see in the media, then everybody is dangerous and um, no. or, or angry or, yeah. I mean, so there's, you don't see a lot of really happy houseless um, articles or anything like that or individuals no, no. who are struck. So you don't have a lot of, of information. Or if you've, you've seen people that are struggling with you know, drugs or alcohol, sure. then that kind of, that, that frames your desire or lack of desire to be involved. So there aren't a lot of pieces that are bringing positive experiences to you That's right. in order to be a part of this solution. And I personally had negative experiences. And so you've had negative, exactly. So, and, and those individuals are the, you know, the chicken or the egg, do people start using or drinking, you know, after they've become homeless or were they already had an addiction? I mean, like, the other piece of this is our own personal judgment on individuals is like, were they just weak? Are they not working very hard? Like we versus them, we, there's already this division, you know, like do you, we don't talk about somebody in our neighborhood, a we versus them, right? Cause we have this in common. We're in a neighborhood, but suddenly when somebody isn't in a house or in a neighborhood, it becomes an, uh, there's this kind of us and a them thing that happens. Well, it is an us and, and them it, yeah. thing. And, uh, uh, in your situation, uh, you're struggling to just have a, a place to reside. Uh, and, and it's difficult because of the, uh, the cost of housing here has gone up and up and up. And we found out there, we had 3 million visitors last year, all looking for housing one way or the other, whether it's a B and B or a hotel room or whatever. Um, and, uh, so people are trying to make money off of that opportunity. You can't blame them necessarily. But meanwhile, or the, can you? The rents go up and up, <laughs> and and it's worrisome because I saw this in San Francisco, a very artistic town that became um, unaffordable to to the any average person, let alone an artist, you know, struggling. So uh, and and when Maui becomes so gentrified that the working people can't afford to live here, and many have bailed and gone to. Las well, Vegas. I believe we're there. Yeah. I don't believe I we're think, getting there. No, I've no, I've watched this happen for a decade yeah. and um, came here about 16, 17 years ago because Maui was experiencing a mental health crisis. And I came to start a program for individuals with serious and persistent mental health needs. And um, I've seen 
the system and the needs and the acuity only increase. Wow. And and we have a lot of people talking. What are we going? But there's been no action. All, almost all the services that support the needs of these individuals have been cut drastically. And who? I mean, how can you expect any issue to increase or get better if the people who are in charge of these these larger um, uh, domains, you know, mental health center. How, if, why are they not screaming, we need more funds? Why do we not hear, we can't serve this many people because our, why do we not hear from them? Why is it just, why is it so quiet? People don't even know where the Maui Community Mental Health Center is. No. You've never even, you didn't even know it exists. And yet we have a mental health crisis. You know, how can, how can it be so under the radar when it is such a need and it floods the emergency rooms all the time? Our, you know, the hospital only has how many beds and they're always full. Uh, um, And why is this not more on the top of the bucket list? I don't understand why it isn't and how it keeps you know just getting ignored year after year after year well I knew a, a homeless uh, fellow who was quite an affable chap I must say and uh, uh, he didn't he didn't want to uh, have a house he, he, he was he liked living this free lifestyle when was this oh this was a few years ago mm-hmm. but uh, I, I could see his point because of uh, the, all the taxes and the and the costs of just being a person and the housing and so on and so forth, I could see a person who maybe found a little place somewhere in a garage. So that's a really important point. Is um, and I hear this over and over, and and I'm, I'm gonna I I'm, I just it's so frustrating here. Oh, uh, yeah. I talked to someone and they like living this way, <laughs> and I, I want to say I call BS on that. No, you no. Know, if he had a lot more money. Generally, it might his life would probably look different. People who are saying that are not wealthy. Okay, so let me be clear. No, no, and this is a myth we must bust. We must stop perpetuating. Everybody I talk to says I talk to. We must stop that dialogue. That dialogue holds all of us back. That's really, really important because this also ties into the county doing their compassionate disruptions. So they go in and wherever people have set up camps or wherever, they they take it all and they throw it all out. And just what, I mean, and oftentimes, as I understand, there's all sorts of um, pieces that are supposed to be in place, but they might send one outreach worker out one day, but they don't, they don't, you know, aggressively or urgently try to reach people. And the other thing is, if you're going to take somebody's house, if someone's going to come and demolish your house for whatever reason, you you need to be offered somewhere else to go. The shelters are often full. um, There is no such thing as an emergency shelter. They close on holidays and weekends, so you can only have a problem during business hours. (laughs) So let's be clear about emergency shelter. And then if you don't get into it, you know... I could understand having that conversation that people, if we had a place that had tents, already maintained tents or already small houses or whatever it was, on-site staffing, it had services, it had, you know, electricity. I bet you people who say I like to live like this would 
it, and it, you know, maybe it was $200 a month or $150 a month or something that people could actually navigate when they're on um, Social Security or they have disability, something like that. If we had those places, those pods or those different places within every community, I bet you that that rhetoric would disappear. And I bet you many people, except for people that have really some significant PTSD, because people, I mean, a lot of them struggle, have to, I mean, nature is the healer point for them, which is very misunderstood as well, is the the confinement of being in a space is really can be, um, it's a deal buster for anybody who's um, got some significant PTSD. But people don't know these things. So I'm going to challenge both of you, or maybe just you, Bill, to that's the kind of dialogue that keeps this conversation in a small box instead of expanding it. So the solution to that, like I said, is we need to, if someone's going to, if the county's going to come and and tear down some people's place where they're living or tow someone's car where they're living in it, they're left standing there with just like, like it's so demoralizing, dehumanizing, traumatizing. And the county's like, we're compassionate. Isn't this great? We're doing compassionate disruption. It's not. And it makes people not trust, you know, the agencies, the authority, you know, the county. And that person is just trying to make light of it, make you feel better. Yeah, they don't want to have the conversation. And it's an ego saver. Oh, yeah, I like this. Well, what uh, else is he going to say? He has no choice. Uh, I'm just saying that he wasn't obviously typical of homeless people. And there are families out there. There are people who, and I could be homeless, you know, just it could, you know, fates being what they are. Mm -hmm. I could be out on the street with no place to live. Uh, it, it could happen in a, in a blink of an eye. So I feel fortunate, very fortunate that I have the life that I have. Uh, but there are some people, I'm saying, who do not fit into the structures that we have to offer. Right. So you can right. offer them a tent, you can offer them an apartment. Some people, and this guy is one of those guys, he's like uh, a vagabond. Um, and he, you know, I'm not saying it's a great lifestyle. He, uh, over the years that I, I had known him just casually, seeing him on the street and so on, um, yeah, he lived a life. Um, but again, he wasn't typical. And, I'm going to challenge you and, again by yeah, saying, yeah. I have had people say, oh, I like living like this. And, you know, I go back a couple of days, go back, sit, bring a cup of coffee, talk. And then I said, I'm actually looking to design a place for people to live. I'm like, what, what, in your experience, what do you think it should look like? Tell, it, describe it to me. And by the time I've stopped meeting with them five, six, seven times, they've moved into this place. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, again, say that your small soundbite of information is just absolutely not even the tip of the iceberg of why. We don't know why people, a lot of times no. people are just saying what you want to hear till you go away. Well, maybe exactly. so. And, maybe and so. they are so tired of this conversation and they are so tired of there isn't any solution, so why am I going to waste my energy even talking to you about this? They, they just, you know... And I'm not saying there aren't people that like to live outside. I mean, we go camping. We do. I mean, nature, again, is bountiful to our healing. And, and, and for some, it, it, it is the solution. It really is. Money or no money, 
Um, but I said, I'm going to challenge you again on that because if you've only had this conversation, like you said, very lightly, then you really haven't gotten around. There's a whole seduction persuasion with mental health yeah. and, and needs. And, and yeah. if you don't have that skill set to, to navigate through the defense mechanisms, then you're going to just get what you're going to get. And, and that's where we really need super skilled people doing outreach and understanding um, how to navigate um, the, the mind of someone who's struggling with addiction and struggling with mental health and just struggling in trauma and poverty. So how do people get involved? Well, with what? Well, um, tell, tell us in what you're... Any th- way, uh, it, it, the average person, if they wanted to help out the homeless, yeah. what would you recommend? So I have to say that there, I have seen, um, after starting Share Your Mana, I have seen so many beautiful people like yourselves who are interested. They don't know quite where and how to get involved. Um, And one of the things that I started, because I believe that when you actually take critical thinking, which you both have, and you add it with action and compassion, then you actually come up with this wonderful thing, which is education. And that's really, I think, what makes all of us grow, is, is being educated when you have um, um, goals. So one of the things I've started doing is creating first aid packets. So about a year and a half ago, about, uh, was it a year and a half ago? Almost two years ago, we did a laundry project. So this two young uh, kids in a ki- the father actually contacted me in the community and they had saved their allowance up and they wanted to help people that were homeless uh-huh. and they were really they they wanted to um, bring food to people and I said well you don't need me for that you can just go buy some pizzas and go give them to people you don't need me yeah, right. I go but if you want to do something more interesting I said you really want to learn about this and they were like yeah I said so meet me at Baldwin so the father and the two kids we met four times three times down at Baldwin and we had a, a staff meeting and I said this is I'm gonna propose something to you I'm gonna propose that we actually help people do laundry I go, because then you're going to get to know people. I said, and that is a little differently than just feeding someone. I said, it's a it's really, a more personal. it's more personal and, um, and it, it helps us create a blueprint for how we can do this because it's really hard to do laundry if you're living in your car, you don't have the gas. You, and, and a load of laundry is like six bucks and it's oh, like yeah. six yeah. bucks to dry and like how to get there. And the haiku, and both of the um, the paia and the haiku laundromat clothes. So I'm like getting there. So then you have to drag it on the bus. And who's going to, you know, and sometimes bus drivers let you on. Sometimes they don't with your laundry. Um, so it's, it's anyway, so it's like, yeah, let's do this. Well, the beautiful woman who owns the laundromat in Pukalani was all in on this. I went up and I said, I'm oh, going to yeah. meet with her yeah, and yeah. uh, I'm going to say, hey, we, you know, can we save a couple of on a certain day? So we organized a day and I said, I'm going to handpick some people that I know that I, you know, because there's a lot of things that happen in people's lives. So you can set anything up you want, but if somebody gets up in the morning and they hear there's going to be a sweep, they're not going to show up to get their laundry done. So um, there's a lot of things that can happen in between. Um, so I found a couple of people that I knew were going to be able to manage setting a date for this. And I said, I'll pick them up. They went and they actually got pizza donated from flatbread because they just it was so important for them to have some good food and they're very healthy they're very health conscious which was nice and um yeah so we did laundry together we we 
grabbed a couple of people. I drove them up. We, you know, the kids helped them with the laundry. They got, they were responsible for bringing the detergent. I said, we have to think, what are people going to need? They're going to need, you're going to need quarters. So you're going to need to go to the bank. You're going to need laundry detergent. So we did a whole checklist of things you're going to need. They, with their father, did all pretty much, you know, that part of it, which is good because I was like, I'm going to task you. This is, this is. Don't come to me for the answers. You've got to create. You've got to create right. the answers. But I'm going to be the person that prods you along and gives you suggestions and solutions. So we have a whole th- structure on how to do this. It was a wonderful day, and out of that grew um, the recognition. I've been working with people living outside for a long time, and I'm, it's so emotionally painful to see how much physical pain people go through because they don't have access to. Uh, healthcare like we do, or you don't just go into the bathroom when you have a cut and you don't get your your bacitracin out and your your band aids. You don't clean it up. You don't have all that. You don't ever have running water per se. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I started making first aid uh, packets and just out of talking with people and what they need. So we get Ziplocs and you know we get um, alcohol wipes, we get band aids, we get um, um, even a trash bag, um, baby wipes we break down and put in, all kinds of little things, little soaps, and uh, um, been getting community members to do the donating, community members to meet at a certain time and place, and we assemble the packets together, and then getting community members to go with me to distribute them. And we've gone out, and we even went out on Christmas Day and distributed some and brought coffee, and um, Starbucks donated some coffee. Lisa... Darcy, sharingyourmana.org. Uh, share your mana. Share your mana. Yeah. Share your mana. Good. Uh, and uh, it, it's really up to each and every individual what you can do. But th- this is an example of, of uh, just a, maybe a, a small idea to some, but to others, uh, what a, a lot. And I wonder, I wonder about. Diapers, for heaven's sakes. There Diapers, are feminine products, all yeah. kinds of gloves. I oh mean, you, gosh. it is, yeah, and then you wonder why there's trash around. The other thing is, if you have to pay $3 or $4 to bring your trash somewhere and you only have $760 a month to live on, yeah. um, you're not going to yeah. be spending 3 bucks to go over to the dump, and how are you going to get it there if you don't have a car? Right. I mean, we, we, we take so much for granted, and almost... I. Everybody I've ever met living outside, they are clean and neat. And they're like, there's just a handful of people, like in your neighborhood or in your class when you were in school, that would disrupt something. And then everybody got punished for it. This is what happens if you're homeless. You've got a couple of people that are really have high, high acuity with need. And they are much more visible. Their behavior is uh, intolerable. They're in great distress, or they're people that. But the majority of people keep neat, tidy places and are sickened by the fact that they can't get their garbage to places that keep the the Ina clean and oh, neat. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. very upsetting. In fact, that's another thing that I want to put on the Share Your Mana shortlist is just f- having places designated where people can bring it. And then you drive by with your truck, you pick up a couple of bags and you bring it out to the dump. Yeah. You know, like so the community members start this and helping um, people out because uh, it really it pains people terribly, and then to be labeled as dirty and you're littering and but there isn't a method for people to do this in a way 
that is manageable. So Share Your Mana explains how you can do these things, distribute the first aid to people or take them to a laundromat or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I, that's why I say, I say adopt. So I put it out there to adopt Share Your Mana. Get 10 of your neighbors together. Invite Share Your Mana over for a talk story. And whatever you see in your community or whatever resources you have and that what you want to do, if you want to organize some truck runs, you know, invite over. I'll help everyone organize this. I will help you to, to you know, get this in place. I will, you know, we will if, raise, raise some funds, do whatever we could, you know, I don't know, be as creative as that group of people. But what I'm trying to do is take the dialogue on. Lisa, I get calls all the time from people. Oh, we need this. We need that. I'm like, I, I, I can't be the solution. You actually have to be the solution. What, what part of this can what you people, play? What do they ask you for? Oh, just how can I help this person? I'm like, well, what do you want to help them with? What do you think they need help with? And then they're like, well, they need, you should go stop. I'm like, no, 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 no. I go, it's got to be, we've got to lay more groundwork where there are more intersections and trust from person to person. That's why I say, I, you know, I'm, I've got a handful of probably like five individuals that I consider my advisory board that are living unsheltered. And I try not to do too much without them. And it's my bad that I'm here alone today. My definitely my bad, a little unorganized. Um, well, we're spreading the word. Yeah, yeah. Just a few minutes, and uh, hopefully it'll uh, get the word out to But yeah, invite, more, more people. share your mana over yeah. for one, uh, an afternoon and evening, anything, or lunch for a talk story, and let's create something. It's, it's This is intended to activate the community, because obviously if the county was handling this, we would see improvements we would see better numbers i think the community would feel better but it can't handle it for whatever reason and as a result i do believe that the only way it's going to change is when community members step in and are part of the solution i can't believe they think of the solution is these sweeps because it cause and effect it's horrendous people are their their lives are already in in shambles and then what are you doing? You're just moving them to another area of the island. There's nowhere else they can go. And as long as gentrification continues as it has been, uh, and we get uh, more and more visitors, you know, they always want more. We had three million last year. The uh, highways are, are clogged. And, and uh, you gotta say, uh, you know, this gentrification and, and this uh, mass of visitors uh, is, uh, is, is forcing the kind of situation where some people can't afford to live. They, mm -hmm. there's, and some people are frustrated. Uh, they turn to drugs and alcohol, as you've uh, seen. And, uh, uh, you know, it's cause and effect. So I don't know uh, if there is a solution to gentrification. Uh, nothing happened in San Francisco except people just wanted to make more and more money. I, when I lived when I lived in San Francisco, our rent was eighty dollars a month, and we had a view of, wow. of when was Alcatraz. That? This was you know when I was growing up. I, it was back in the fifties, you know, wow. eighty dollars a month, and the and the rent went up to a hundred. And my mom said, "No, we're not going to put up with this this excessive rent." But rents here now, uh, just for a moment, let's talk about rents because. It, you'll be hard pressed to find a place for two thousand a month. 
Well, and so this is why um, we have to have this dialogue in the entire context because the ideas behind the compassionate sweeps Compassionate disruptions, whatever. Is that it, what they call they it? They call it. It's 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 <laughs> it's a, it's it's unbelievable. Um, yeah, I strongly, strongly, ethically, morally, professionally disagree with them. But um, the idea is that, and this is coming from people that that are in offices all day long. So this isn't coming. You know, people on the street aren't saying, "Yeah, this is great. This makes my life better. Thanks for doing this." You're not getting it from that I point think of view. People are oblivious. To, well, for the most part, to the sweeps. So my I point mean, is a little mention in the paper. No, no, it goes. In fact, I have asked the um, department for uh, a listing because you're supposed to put public notice up. I've asked them for a listing of when they are, and they will not give it to me. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I'm actually there because I can actually assist people and have a dialogue. But they they said it is too sensitive to the relationships. And I don't know what that means because for people that I've spoken with, they don't really have much of a relationship. Sounds like doublespeak to me. I don't know what it is. But my point is that we have to have this dialogue in its completeness. And what I mean by that is you have to talk about affordable housing and um, – development, if you're going to talk about um, having people move in um, to places that they can afford, because from what I understand, when the housing market crashed, many people who had homes moved into rentals. And that along with how many, and then there was a, a, a the bigger boon for bed and breakfast and for um, um, Airbnb. Right. So these collisions, like I don't know who's looking at when all of these collisions happened. And then um, as a result, people started charging more for Ohana's. And the other thing is they're not regulated. I've had to leave so many places because of the whim of a landlord. Mm-hmm. I have paid my rent on time. I've been a good la- you know, tenant. But or, you know, they have family come back or they, I, you know, I've had some some, you know, things where I didn't go the landlord wanted way more than my rent and i was like that's not part of the deal so what do you do you're now unsafe and as a renter where are your right and now you're going to live there so what do you do like it's not like there are apartment buildings and there's a super and if you have a problem you go to the super and like that you pay your rent to wherever i just direct deposits out or it's not like that here whenever you have these you know and and the the landlord lives on the property, so they see you know if you had a dog overnight and they said no dog, then they're going to kick you out. And maybe you were just taking it for your neighbor who was sick for you know like you don't a million there's and scenarios. it caused no harm. It's it's yeah, unbelievable yeah. how unregulated or how how powerless you are a lot of times as a tenant. So with all of these things converging with the incredible cost of living, cost of living that has happened over the last 10 years, when you think about bananas were what, like 49 cents a pound and now they're $2 and 50 cents a pound. I mean, like are people not watching how this affects people and who are struggling already with limited incomes? And so if you are not throwing all of those into the center of all of these decisions, like who is responsible for bringing all of these complexities in and then speaking to people because the, the bottom line is it's statistically, it shows that the, the individuals that are houseless most often are individuals that are local born and raised, you know, um, and, or, um, from some of the, um, the, uh, 
what's our relationship with um, the Samoa and Tonga and the Kofa countries and that kind of stuff. So they could, yeah. So, and, and, you know, that culturally, that group of people does not access services the way mm. that if you've, you know, you have any experience, um, from the mainland or any, you know, like people know how to go into an office, but if you're not from that culture, you have to get permission from a tribe member. I mean, like there's, there's a lot of complexities in this. And so as a result, people stay, um, really limited in what they have. Um, Hmm. anyway, there's, it's a lot, but who is the epicenter of all of this is my question. And if you have too many people that are doing these, but they don't come together, you know, like biweekly or bimonthly, then how are you navigating the you know and the tourist industry and that that's that's got to be a major player in this because we don't want to see anything that is unattractive on Maui. We want to be able to sell perfection and yeah. how many I can't tell you how many people I met that are houseless that moved here because they came on vacation and they thought it was perfect. Well, a lot of people who visit are you know are staying in gated communities. They're staying at the hotels. They're not seeing right no the no situation mm-hmm. unless they they're out yeah. in, in town or something and you know they see the the homeless uh, problem but it's when I was growing up in San Francisco it was a huge problem in San Francisco and it was growing all the time Uh, and you would see masses of people down in uh, uh, Civic Center down there and in that whole area and there were areas as a kid growing up you Mm -hmm. knew you don't you don't go there (laughs) it's it's dangerous there's there's dangerous people over in that neighborhood uh, right. But, you know, you can't assume that. And not everybody is dangerous in a bad neighborhood. A lot of people are just struggling, that's all. And uh, some people are struggling for the wrong reasons. And, you know. Well, and, you know, you also speak to the skill set of, you know, there's this term dangerous. And um, uh, I've been, people in, positions of authority here on the island like you never get into a car with anyone you never go into their tent you know like you don't know what could happen i'm like i've been in a lot of cars i've been in everyone's car i've been in everyone's tent and i have to tell you uncle be like hey you want to you want this you want it's like it is such an honor to be invited into someone's tent the trust is remarkable i have seen some of the most miraculous sites that people have put together and they are gorgeous they are gorgeous. Other people see us as a trash a heap, uh, or a heap of trash. I see. I'm quite amazed by the engineer and the hospitality yeah, that is shown. Yeah. If you are willing to come, step up and say hi. You know what can I do for you? Is so gorgeous, and that's the piece of this that I want to applaud both of you for having this because it become it can become a very emotional dialogue. You know, brings up a lot of feelings for people and fears and 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 afraid and dangerous i i if you have the skill set to navigate when somebody starts to get elevated and you recognize you're like oh wow you know okay i'm you know my bad um you 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 can navigate through people's anger or frustration or danger i i was in a situation where i was doing um when we do the point in time survey a couple of years ago, I was um, in a place where there was a large gathering of individuals and it was, it was getting towards dusk and I know better to be out during dusk because if you've done this before, you know, anybody who's really struggling is going to start drinking or maybe even drug it. Like that's when people, cause they want to go to sleep. So they want to like, mm. they want to medicate themselves. Yeah. Dusk. 
Um, and, and that can be a, it can be a, a, a kind of a charged time. So I was out and I was doing the surveys and there were, a, it was a, it was a huge group of people. And, um, this guy comes up to me and he had been standing off in the corner and I had seen him and he came up to me and goes, you know, I can't protect you. If anything happens here, I can't protect you. And I said, do you, you know, I was like, do I need to leave? He goes, I think you need to leave. I go, you know what? I want to thank you so much for caring for me. And I said, I'm going to pack my stuff up and I'm going to go. And I said, and I'll come back at another time. And I said, but that's really, I'm, thank you. Thank yeah. you for just, you yeah. know, making me aware of something I, I can't see. Yeah. And I appreciate you. And I still, there was like, hey, and people were doing the survey. They wanted to, you know, they I don't know if it was him, if he was feeling something inside of him and being triggered. I don't know if he knew about somebody else. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't even matter. But he actually, I was like, hey, that's really cool. And I, I was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take off. And, you know, it was fine. And I, I didn't say, oh, everything's fine. Uh, you know, you yeah, navigate yeah. in the moment. And if you have that skill set and you can watch people's body language and you know that he was definitely struggling, I was like, that's really cool. But... You know, that's probably the closest I've ever come. And I, like I said, I've been in, I've been sitting in people's cars. I've been doing all, all kinds of things in all kinds of funky places. And it's just, I have experienced so much kindness, incredible kindness. But there are dangers and, um, and it's important to, you know, follow your gut feelings. As a city kid, um, I, I, I learned to be aware mm -hmm. of my gut feelings right. and uh, where not to be. I remember going, uh, after living in San Francisco, I, I visited New York and, with a friend out there. And, and uh, I was out on my own, and I walked down 42nd Street and immediately knew this was not a place to be. First off, it was lined with men all the way down the block, just with nothing else to do, evidently. But... You were pre-Giuliani. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, when you see, I, I personally am nervous when I see a group of men anyway. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, homeless or not, uh, when men get together, they can, you know, they're kind of trouble. I'm saying they because I'm a man too. But <laughs> Should we keep our eye on you? No hanging out with any other so men. As long as, you know, one other maybe, you know. Um, but... Um, uh, so it's important to have uh, that gut feeling and and um, and right. to, and uh, unexpectedly to meet someone who's uh, had feelings and knew you know was concerned about your welfare. So you know there's there's wonderful you know not everybody is on drugs. Not everybody's mm -hmm. drunk. Um, interesting about the dusk thing. I had never even thought about that but I and that just depends on location too yeah. so again there's a lot of factors that go into that but this particular right. place that i was at i knew had a history of of um people getting together and starting to but drink i think it. that's probably true for in general dusk is when people drink right and uh you know supposedly relax right. party which right. is usually involving drink Mm -hmm. So, and we don't we when we walk into a bar, we don't go oh danger, oh danger, <laughs> right? So there's this. Um, I think it's a it's an uh, an unrealistic kind of um, 
defense that goes up against anyone just if you're outside versus that if you have the money to afford to pay for it in a bar, you're safe, yeah. which I can assure that there are a lot of people that are in there and making decisions and, you know, running agencies that I don't trust at all, you know, and yeah. yet they're not considered dangerous and they're making laws and rules for our, our lives and they're not considered dangerous. But anybody who is, you know, houseless automatically gets this, you know, like fear of every, you know, oh. So we, we talk, oh, go ahead, Bobby. I just wanted to start from the beginning and ask you where, <clears throat> where you got your expertise and how you find the homeless when you came here, mm. not from here. And you didn't come looking for homeless people, certainly. So <laughs> um, I actually started in college, and I had this unbelievable professor who, um, it was sociology of deviant behavior. I was studying psychology, and she brought all different programs into our class, and we actually went to places, jails and things like that. And she brought a group in from a. They were called. Uh, it, was, it was called the club, and it was the psychosocial rehabilitation program. And there were three people that sat up in front, and they talked about having acute schizophrenia, depression, uh, bipolar. And I sat and I listened to their stories. And that they were sitting, like, so matter of fact, yeah, I've got this. I hadn't met or known mm-hmm. of, you know, any kind of formal um, discussion on severe mental health. And I was so taken by them that I went up afterwards. And I said, "Where I want to come volunteer. I said, you know, my, I feel like life makes sense. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to be a psychologist. I'm not going to sit in some room with people. I'm like, no way. I, like, I want to get to know you and your life story and what happened. So I literally made an appointment for like three days later to go to the program. And when I was there and I got a tour and they were very happy that I came um, and I met the program director and I said, I would like to be a volunteer. And he says, well, we don't have any volunteers. We don't. I was like, what do you mean you don't have volunteers? And he was like, I can see you're going to be a problem. <laughs> I go, no, I'm trying to be a solution, not a problem. <laughs> and he, I was like, do you have trash? I was like, can I follow you around and take your trash out? I was like, something. And he goes, I'm going to have to get you a job. So um, I got a part-time job working as a recreation coordinator so I would go in on the weekends and um, in the evenings and we, there would be dances and could drive out to the Arboretum on the weekend for you know take a you know drive a van out it was so unbelievable these were people that were coming out of Marlboro State Hospital and out of the um, um, uh, Robert Wood Johnson um, acute psych and and then just people coming in from the community it was the most unbelievably wonderful experience of my life and I started seeing people's people and I never saw I'd stop seeing any other diet I stopped seeing their weird behavior and all that because um, I had such strict supervision on how to approach people and how to learn about people which was you need to know how every single person takes their coffee you're going to approach this as a peer and not as you are better than them or you know anything. They are your teachers. You are the students. And it was, I mean, I was held to task on every single day and all of my supervision was all about learning 
how to best bring out the best in this person because their per- the people's lives be go away once you've been diagnosed with a major you, you become the diagnosis sure. you become this just massive pit of need and and the person goes away it was our job to bring the person out so that the illness would take the back seat and we did that through work so we had work opportunities in the community and within the program i was not to do any work i my job was to give all of my work away and i ran uh, i got promoted up into the research unit which took all the statistics for the program we did sign-ins we did every meal we did we knew everything about everything we were by hand before i even knew excel and um and i i had like 25 people on my caseload that people were taking the trash out people were cleaning the bathrooms people were making the lunch people were and they now had a role and now they actually had peers because we were working together as teams and they weren't patients this is my, and then I went on to work in Washington, D.C., and at the, the program there, which I have to tell you was magical under Judith Johnson, a world-renowned advocate and mm. brilliant woman. And then I moved down to North Carolina because I fell in love, and there was a program down there. I ended up coming back to New York City where the original program was, and it, when I left, had um, the position of acting director for employment, which meant I oversaw over 170 placements throughout New York City for people with severe persistent mental illness, working at Wall Street Journal, working at um, and Dow Jones and uh, Newberger and Berman and uh, Morgan Stanley and then mom and pop, lots of mom and pop. But it was our, as staff, it was our job to get people these jobs and help them stay on these jobs and rotate them through. Now they have a resume. Now they can get into school. They went back to school. People were getting educations and they stopped being the illness and they started being human right. beings. Because we want to know, how did these it's people transition? person-centered. How and does a like, homeless people become a part of the How community? does a homeless person become Paul or or, or Kanali or whoever, you know? I mean, just to get the How cl- do they get their name back? You can't walk into an office and say, I, I'd like a job and, and look no. disheveled. So, which brings me to another thing that we recently did was I uh, was walking around just trying to... Um, to, to distribute these first aid kits. And we met this mom and this son who were living in a car, in a, in a van. A lot of people. And in it turns out that they wanted to go back and live. She was in danger for a multitude of reasons. And I was like, oh my God, what's going on? She goes, well, I'm going to try and fly back to the big island. And there's this program where they'll, people will return you to a safe place. Oh. So you've heard it because uh, like six months ago, there was all this outrage about New York was sending people to Maui. Well, or to, heard, to Hawaii or something. We've heard those stories for years. So this and is years. another Not just thing. New York, but the yeah. states sending uh, homeless people. And 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 whether they can live on the beach. Well, <laughs> the, the point is that there are actual real programs that do this. So if you take it out of context, it sounds horrendous. But the context of it is generally, and I'm not saying that other people don't put. You know, when when I was in New Jersey, we uh, family members for the winter would buy gray, Greyhound bus tickets and send people to Miami because they didn't want them to die. Well, they didn't yeah, want them to die. Right, right. It was that. It was really that simple. It's yeah. like it, it, when it, you don't want someone to die, and when the services can't meet the person's needs, are we just gonna like in, two years ago? I think eighteen people 
froze to death in For Washington, sure. D.C. Yeah. on the street. 18 yeah. people, froze, people stepped over people. Like, they froze to death. Like, I can't live in that world. No, I don't want, no, I will no. never live in that world that steps over someone. So that's part of this. So when I met Tina and Angus, and they said they wanted to reunite um, with the brother back on the Big Island, I said, well, what's going on? Well, how are you? Because there was this, the program is being monitored through the Family Life Center. But here's the deal with it. They don't buy your plane ticket. They buy half of a plane ticket, and you have to come up with the other half. So if you're trying to go back to the um, to the mainland, and it's a you know 800 or maybe a 500, whatever, you have to come up with all that other money. You're not going to do that right away. And here's the other thing: is they don't. It doesn't pay for any baggage. If you have a pet, it doesn't pay for a pet. It doesn't pay for anything. It only pays. And forget. And you say you know getting showered and cleaned up. There's no one's going to take you to shower before you go and get on the plane. No one's going to make sure. You, so I actually wrote down with the help of some, I posted this on Facebook and we raised the money for them to take their pet. We got a cat carrier. We got some new luggage. Um, we paid for their other, both her and her son for their plane ticket. Um, but the things that I realized were just that is when I met them at the airport, cause I share your mana paid for all of this extra. So we, I had to do the, the financial interaction there. They I, I, I told them to keep their hands off of the counter because their fingernails are dirty. They're dirty. And I didn't want them to be, you know, people look at, immediately look at them differently. Sure. And I tried to, you know, keep them back from the whole interaction. And I tried to t- take on that. I put a little extra lipstick on. I tried to be, you know, but if they didn't have that buffer they could have easily gotten a lot more flack or maybe would have looked through their things or i've seen well i'm sure these days especially yeah but you have to like itemize like i've itemized all of the things that are necessary that we take for granted and an agency will take for granted if you sit in an office but not if you actually go out and you sit in their van with them i mean i sat with their in their van for probably about eight to ten hours over the series of two weeks just talking with them what do you need what do we and how do we get this they had a chicken they didn't want to leave their chicken, so I, we got somebody to drop the chicken. Um, but <laughs> what being, did they do with the van? The van actually got towed. The person whose land it was on was unbelievably generous, but I had three women come with trucks. Amazingly, it was the women that showed up oh, with the trucks, yeah, yeah. and they helped take some of the garbage away and took it to the the dump because we it was very generous of the landowner to let people stay there, and they wanted to reflect that, and they wanted to thank the landowner. So I got volunteers to come and take some of the trash away. Um, yeah, so we 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 made it a whole event as if you were moving, your community would come forward to help you pack. They'd help you load things. They'd, you need the you know your 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 community comes together when you're houseless you're isolated you know you have your and they they have their own community no doubt and it's a beautiful community but it doesn't have the financial backing necessary to make it a smooth transition so i've tried to fill all of those gaps in so that they had a a humanly decent um transition and i just talked to tina yesterday and they're doing so much better and they're very happy and yeah well congratulations so to the community one story out of i'm sure dozens maybe hundreds but it took i mean this was a large commitment of time to explore and to really look at what was necessary and then to be the the kind of the the rotating door of bringing, you know, like just even getting the cat carrier took, you know, I had to email the person. We had to set up times that didn't work. I had to yeah, go, but you know, yeah. another time, another person, they, they didn't get their, the, the luggage out of storage. So can we do it another day? And, you know, like it actually 
takes a bit of coordination because I, I don't have an office or I don't have anywhere I can keep this stuff. So if I did have that, could probably expedited it. But you need not just an office; you need a place to live. Well, this is true. <laughs> so, it's... how many volunteers do you have? Well, so um, I just sent out my very first newsletter. And on that, I probably have uh, 150 people. I'm doing it all myself, again, and the videos I do all myself. So it's, t- it's a l- very time-consuming. What I like to do is I like to say, here is an event, whether it's the doing laundry, here's the, um, we're distributing first aid, we need it. it. People have really different comfort levels on volunteering. I will take a volunteer that will help me do the videos. I would love a volunteer, you know, like I need volunteers for every aspect of this. Sure. Um, so it's hard to say how many I have because sometimes people, even if they just you know, throw ten dollars in when I'm when I was at the women's march. You know, and they just threw ten dollars. To me, that's that's a stakeholder. But they don't know. I don't always track them. But I'm like, wow, they they just they just put ten dollars. Like I I'm I'm dedicated to whatever it is you you want to see happen with that ten dollars. Shareyourmana.org, Lisa Lisa Darcy is uh, on our show today uh, off the record and we're running down on time and uh, I never did get to a few of the uh, community reminders that I, I like to because this is this is also enlightening enlightening uh, uh, you know uh, for a person who tends to well I kind of avoid people anyway <laughs> right homeless or not right. homeless or not so <laughs> you know introvert people, people yeah. are trouble I'm telling you and when you got three million of them coming to the island all the time you get a little uh, well when you see share your mana you will know no trouble is coming your way <laughs> although i've been said oh trouble's here a lot but well i want you good to, trouble. To, to make me more optimistic because yeah. i don't Thank see you. how this island is going to become less gentrified right. it's going to become more and more so and that creates more and more problems we talk about drugs we talk about alcohol but uh Crime is also a huge problem. Right. Uh, I'm sure the homeless are victims of crimes. Well, Usually they, they say like 70 plus percent of the time. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I can tell they- you horror stories about how people are beaten up and um, and just well, yeah, what's it's we, we stolen from. We read about from. them in the papers uh, every week uh, that, you know, it's usually a couple of homeless guys get in, in interaction and uh, one of them... Uh, passes dies according to Bodie B and you can't say passes away anyway uh, it's a a problem so if you can in just a couple minutes help me become more optimistic about the situation so I'm going to be clear I'm not that optimistic oh you aren't no no I don't believe I'm going to solve no no over the, uh, the the course that the county is taking from the last you know, a couple years back, a couple years back, couple has not changed. Yeah. And so it's, it's a collision course. I see a collision course. So I, I am not here to tell you that I think, but what, what share your mana is here to do is to say, we have to ease each other's suffering. It's, it's, it's our job to ease your suffering, mm-hmm. your suffering, anybody who's it's, it's not about, um, I, I don't, I don't have any high hopes for Maui County. <laughs> I don't. I don't. There's nothing. I and that, and I and I. I don't mean that to be. Um, I actually hope that that's a little bit of a relief that I'm not fighting this. The systems are 
too entrenched. Yeah. The mental health system, the you know, the state mental health system is entrenched and it's not budging. I came here, like I said, as a crisis yeah. and they haven't budged. And if any, Nothing and they pushed changed. me out of the job that I did because I was, you know, I was pushing too many edges. So if you, that's the response you're going to get from somebody yeah. who's tr- creative and, and experienced, I don't have a lot of hope for it. But what I can say is, we can just name people. I don't want to say, oh, those people that live in those houses. I, I know your name. If we can at least just get to know each other's names and before we look at somebody as a, as a, you know, you're houseless or you're not, or you're, you drive a BMW or you don't, or you drive, you know, like, I just want to know you. I think it's really important that we figure out how we all like our coffee. Yeah. And that may mean you like green tea or that may mean you like coconut water. But I think we have to humanize each other and stop this dehumanization of um, this larger group of people that, quite frankly, yeah, we're the way it's going, there's the significant part of Maui is going to end up in this situation. It's going to only continue to grow no matter what, you know, I, I don't see as it's. Well, San Francisco became so gentrified that uh, uh, the people who, the working people, couldn't even live in Oakland or in the Bay Area. So they're being shut out. And what what are they going to do for services? Who's going to serve their coffee? Uh, <laughs> well, and the other thing is then you have to move. And yeah, that really addresses why people come here or why people leave. And um, it's all about migration. And if you pay any attention to what's happened in the world in the last 10 years and how migration mm-hmm. is being welcomed and not welcomed and based on poverty, war, distra- any of that stuff. Um, yeah, we have to suspend our judgments. So it's really, Stereo Your Mana is about helping to suspend my own judgments, our own judgments, and to just enact, you know, good, decent human behavior, right. regardless of circumstance. So, yeah. Are, are there uh, other organizations you would recommend? If people want to volunteer, they can get involved with Share Your Mana. Uh, I want to say Mana. <laughs> ShareYourMana.org. <laughs> oh. But, um, I mean, I think, uh, top of my head, I think of Hale Kaukau, who feed people and have been doing that for years and years. And there are other organizations that help feed the homeless. And so I'm just thinking as a transition for people who are maybe nervous about right. dealing with other people mm-hmm. and, uh, and their problems or whatever, uh, that might be a start mm-hmm. at any rate. Yeah, you contact them. Yeah, you, I, I, want, I definitely don't want to speak for another organization. No, no. But there are other organizations mm-hmm. that, that are doing what they can. And, yeah, and churches. I know churches are doing a lot of really wonderful yeah. things. Yeah. But I think we just we have to keep pushing those edges. Well, I hope you keep pushing those edges and uh and gently yes <laughs> and good luck with your housing situation thank you oh my gosh uh lisa darcy so good to have you on this on the station uh kaku uh 88.5 fm thanks to maui toyota the voice of maui bobby d best bill best here thanks for listening thanks for watching on facebook and aloha